I think everyone is going to love this episode this week. We have Danny Boyd on the podcast. She's a designer out of L.A. Uh, for the first like 10, 15 minutes, she gives her back history, her upbringing from Brazil, how she got to L.A., which is kind of a funny story, how she met her husband. Um, from there, we go through really remote design, uh, customer value points, psychology. We go through really uh, a full gambit of what you should be doing in your business, what she does in her business, and the things that have worked out and what she's planning on doing in the future. So really cool episode. Um, like, share, subscribe, comment. Hope you like it. And here we go. All right. So today we have Danny Boyd on the AIS podcast. Uh, so Danny Boyd, she's an interior designer, uh, originally from Brazil, where she got her architectural license. And uh, really a unique design model that she has, has great style, great taste. Some things I love about Danny and her business, super genuine, super down to earth. She's passionate about helping people. She's here for all the right reasons. Um, has a very versatile business model where she can do remote design and she also has some VIP access for you know some of her clients that she offers as well as in-person design. Um, she envisions, executes really functional, timeless designs in all of her projects. Um, like I said, award-winning designs. So we're really happy to have you here and just give us a little bit, a uh, little bit about yourself and we'll get going. Okay. Oh my gosh. That was so cool. Thank you so much. Can I write it down and like put in my bio or something? <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you, yeah, I'll send you my intro. Yeah, that. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you. I, of course, honestly, like I lost all the words ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for the very nice introduction. And yes, I'm Danny. Um, what did you ask me? How? Oh, yeah. How I started with design and all of that, right? Yeah. So I, I'm really interested about architecture in Brazil, how you got licensed there, and then how you made that transition to the States. And just kind of give us your 10,000 foot view story. Okay. Yeah. So this all started when I was nine years old, to be very honest with you. It goes back, 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 way back when. Uh, my parents used to trap to move a lot because of my dad's work. And we moved back to the town that I, I was actually born when I was eight, nine years old. And when we moved back, we had to move into my grandma's house, which is the house that my mom grew up. And, you know, we're a family of five moving into my grandma's house. It was her and my grandpa and there were three bedrooms and I'm like this is not working mom I'm just telling my mom all the time why is this wall right here it shouldn't be here the door can we open the door right here and eight nine years old okay and so I was always very um just not satisfied with the space that I was living that was there was something wrong with it I wanted to solve it and on top of that we, my grandma was redoing her front yard and there was a lot of um, tile scraps of all shapes and sizes. Um, and I decided, you know, like, so just, just so you can understand, I'm from Brazil, from the north part of Brazil in the town called Belém. We're in the middle of the Amazon. It's a 30 minute flight to the equator. So it's hot mm -hmm. and it rains every single day. Every day there would be rain coming from the sky somehow, somewhere, some time of the day. So we had a lot of mud in the front yard. And what we would do, we would go play in the front yard in the mud with the tile scraps. And I started to design the house that I wanted to design. I was 
you know, I would be like, mom, so let's put this, this wall. So this wall here is, this, it, this is the kitchen wall. What if we move it this way and then we put another wall right here and I started to sketch that all up also. And my dad, he comes to me and he's like, what are you doing? You know, I'm, I'm just changing the house around. You know, I had many, many sketches of that. And my mom still has them actually in Brazil. Um, and then he was like, oh, that's cool. Okay, so you're playing architect. I'm like, wait, what? You know, at eight years old, my dad is a, he works with plants and my mom is an art teacher. So I never actually understood the concept of architecture. And he explained to me what it was and I was like, oh, okay, I like this idea. And that's when I decided that I wanted to be an architect when I grew up. Many things happened from there on, there into high school. At some point of my life, I decided that I actually wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> and because my uncle, who was a doctor and had a medical, like a little hospital, um, he said to me, if you, okay, so like to get to college in Brazil, you have to take this absurdly hard test that like test everything that you know about like that you learned through school. And then if you pass the test and there are enough um, spots in the college you want to go to, you go to college and to become a doctor. So the medicine school is the most difficult one, most, most difficult one that you can think of. And my, my uh, uncle, knowing that I was a nerd and I love a challenge, he was like, okay, if you pass to become a doctor, I'll give you a brand new car <laughs> to a girl in the Amazon that, you know, was playing in mud. And I, I barely had money for, uh, you know, the, the bus tickets, <laughs> the bus ride, whatever I wanted to go, like even to school. Um, that sounded amazing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to study this whole year. So my last year of high school, I studied really hard to pass into medical school. I didn't, of course, because I'm not that smart, I think. And, and then, you know, and then I was like, what am I doing? I don't want to fix people. I want to fix places. You want to be a doctor of homes. Yes, I want to be a doctor of homes. I want to solve problems, not of people. That's, I mean, I love people. But yeah, I love people when they're having a good time, not like a bad time. So yeah, so then, then I did the test again to pass to architecture and I did a five-year bachelor's degree in architecture and urban design. So on the paper, I'm also an urban designer. Nice. <laughs> um, and in Brazil, it works a little different because at least when, when I went to school, which was 20 years ago, 21 years ago, um, when I started, it's a little different because, um, so like here in California, after you graduate architecture, you have to work X amount of hours and then do the testing, et cetera, et cetera, to get into, to get your, your license in Brazil, you do that working during, during school. So you have to have X amount of hours uh, working with this type of architecture or that type of urban design or whatever it is. And then when you graduate and the board feels like you're, you know, you're good to go, you get your architecture license. 
So I did that. I started working with architecture and design actually in, oh my gosh, it was my second semester of uh, college. When did I go to college? 2004, three. I don't know, Ryan, sometime, like a long time ago. In the 2000s. <laughs> yeah, in, in the 2000s, not in the 1900s, already in the 2000s. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I had many, many types of jobs, many, many types of internships. And it was funny for me because every single time I would start an internship, I always felt like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to do this. And they would actually make you do the stuff. So for the first internship that I had, it was actually a furniture store where we would do a custom furniture. So like everything you can imagine, but especially cabinetry, of course, kitchen and bath. And in Brazil, we do a lot of custom cabinetry for uh, living rooms and bedrooms as well. So I did a lot of that. And, you know, like I'm there like, okay, 18, 19 year old me, you know, first time working in this thing. And they would actually send you to, to the job site to talk to the client and measure it all up. And then, you know, come up with the design. Of course, there was someone, a, a, an architect above me that would revise everything with me, but it was like the whole creative process I was able to be a part of. And I'm very thankful for that from the get go, you know, from first time. Um, I also internship in other types of architecture um, studios and um, firms, big and small. I also did an, an, a really cool internship and that one, you know, it's, it, you don't make a lot of money with it, but it's pretty cool, which was um, uh, working with historical places. My hometown is super old. It's 400 and, oh my gosh, please people from Belém, don't kill me, but I forget how old our hometown is. It's like 455 years old like super old. So we have a lot of historical palaces and homes and you know, the tiles that we see, the, the like Zeline, Zelige and you know, yeah. the, all those beautiful tiles with um, like drawings and things like that. We have that from four years ago, 400 years ago uh, in town. So I worked a lot, a, a bit with that, restoring those palaces and understanding the history behind it. And my last job was the job that I envisioned myself working on since I was a little girl, since I was nine years old. So I worked with uh, this architect called Gabriele Vieira. She is this amazing person that I'm still in touch with. And she did remodels and new builds and restaurants and all the things from start to finish, from permits to candle on the counter. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was like, dude, this is amazing. Oh my gosh. I was able to be part of her creative process a little bit here and there, but, uh, but most of all, execute the project in AutoCAD and, and, you know, like make sure the presentation was perfect for her to present to the clients. I was able to watch some meetings and be there. And that was amazing. When I graduated, I was still working with her, worked with her for two years. 
And she offered me to, you know, she wanted to hire me as an architect, you know, go under her wings and continue the business. But I'm in Belém, in the Amazon, far away from everything, and it rains a lot. And I don't like the rain very much, and it's super hot there. So I'm like, okay, this feels really good, but I want to move somewhere else. So I applied for a couple master's programs in in the country and i passed um well i applied to two and i was selected in both of them uh and both of them were had to do well were related to uh civil well to how do i put this okay they were related to construction and management in construction okay mm. so it was just like in my mind, you know, the whole time that I was in college, I learned a lot about the creative process and, you know, how to make it look amazing and, you know, how to solve people's problems. But I thought that I had to make this, I had to learn a little more about how to to actually execute the pro project, to actually do what you guys do, you know, like put yeah, one thing process, on top of the yeah. other and build the place. So I applied on, for that because, again, it, it works a little different in Brazil. That's something that the civil engineer does. What the general contractor does here in America is generally something that the civil engineer does in Brazil. And I was very interested in that. So, yeah, so I went ahead and passed in both of them. I went to the one that was farther from my hometown. So like all the way to the south, almost in Argentina. Uh, I, and I lived there for two years and we developed a, a research in, um, actually like it had, it didn't have a lot to do with construction, but it did somehow, but it was a research in client satisfaction. So we analyzed yeah, super important. We analyzed how people were satisfied with the space that were was provided to them. Um, and then I, great, finished that and, you know, wrap it all up, moved to Sao Paulo. And when I was in Sao Paulo, uh, I was working in the architecture studio, doing, again, a lot of um, custom furniture and custom things. In, in interior design and I met my husband so nice. this lovely guy from California what was he doing yeah, we, I'm sorry what was he doing oh he wasn't that okay so that's another story <laughs> did I talk about it <laughs> well so he was down where you were working right and in, in yeah kind of sort of okay let me rewind rewind this okay, okay. so my husband went to um to brazil several times before we met and he was friends with all of my friends like seriously all of my friends i i remember him but we were never introduced to each other so one day when i was finishing my bachelor's um i needed to translate something for my for my for for, for my what's it called my thesis mm. um and then I reached out to his sister, which was friend with, friends with me somehow on MySpace. I'm like, okay, she's friends with all of these Brazilian people. She knows Portuguese. So I'm like, hey, I need help translating this. 
because you know back then google wasn't this force that we have these days you know and she's like well i don't speak portuguese but my my brother does he's here is his contact information so i reach out to him back then he had a girlfriend i had a boyfriend we were like okay cool yeah okay well okay you're friends with so-and-so cool okay okay and then life goes on and eventually um i break up with my boyfriend he breaks up with his girlfriend stars align and yes, it's... stars align, and we start talking I again. I know that that was like December. He he said he he oh he reached out to me because one of his favorite bands was going to play in the town I was living. So he was like, "Hey, why don't you go to this this concert here? I'll pay for your ticket." To this day, he has never paid for the ticket. I just wanted to clarify this. For the record, <laughs> okay, noted. <laughs> <laughs> but I did go to the concert, really liked it. And and that was like November, December, Feb, January, February, March. He calls me. I got tickets. I'm going to Brazil. I'm like, no, dude, no. Mm-mm. You're not coming. This is, this is crazy. I'm not going to do a long distance relationship. All I know is that he eventually he got to Brazil in June. And we saw each other at the airport and that was it, right? Like that was it. Seven months later, we were married. And because he went to Brazil, this this is a good story because you tell I'm gonna tell you what how I got here, right? It was because of the husband. <laughs> uh, he went to Brazil and he was there for two months, and I'm like, okay, you're telling me all these things about California and your family. What if this is all a lie? I'm very suspicious. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go visit your family. So we came back together to California. I was supposed, I quit my job. You need to make, you know, like, because I, I was going to be here for a whole month. I couldn't just, I just started in this new job. I couldn't just leave it for, for a whole month. And came to California, August 10th, 2009. I was supposed to go home September 23rd. September 13th, he takes me to Yosemite. We climb the half dome and he proposes. So then I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's okay, I guess we are engaged. And and then immediately, like at the same time, we're like, okay, then how are we gonna do this? Because I don't have money to be flying back and forth from Brazil. It's expensive. And he also, he wasn't on the good it was right when the economy crashed remember that 2009 (laughs) you know so i decided to stay i just um we booked a wedding to for january so my parents could get their visas and come here for the wedding and that's how i arrived in california here you are yes because when i first got introduced to you um i believe you were in modesto for Uh a little while and then you were you were down in LA as well. So yes. and I remember, yeah, because I swung by and I actually picked up some tiles from you that we you actually did. used bought, on a project. Yeah. 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 And you, you gave me the, the yeah, warning, so, like, don't orientate these in a certain way. I still remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so we got married. Okay. Yeah. You have to be very careful. <laughs> yeah. Those were dangerous tiles. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so we lived in Modesto from 2010 all the way to 
2018. And while I was there, my first job was in construction. So I worked in a general contractor firm for a year. Okay. Where I was, you know, I was a project engineer. Bless your heart. If you have a project engineer, give them candy, give them <laughs> all the good things because it's hard work, man. Oh my God. Yeah, it's no joke. These Were guys, you doing public work? Um, civil, yes. public, okay. Yeah, public work. So we were doing a lot of, I don't remember right now, but it was like multi-million projects. Yeah, large scale uh, developments. and Fresno, Vesalia, Bay Area, all over. And the amount of management that you guys do is incredible. You know, it's people think that it's like, oh, call the general contractor, general contractor. Here's the project. Well, here's what I want to do. And then like you, you guys have to have a north. And sometimes we would get projects that were not complete enough. And that's like a lot of back and forth change orders. Oh, this doesn't work. Oh, this is out of stock. Yeah. And, you know, all of that. And that was very interesting to me to learn um, the behind the scenes, you know, like, you know, the, the behind of what I was seeing as an architect, you know, yeah. and especially in another country. Because and really what we, so that kind of ties into some stuff I want to talk about because I view designers as really the problem solver because they address what needs to happen before anything is ever broken ground before the project is in pre-construction before um, usually before a final contract signed, like design is there and mm -hmm. your design team is really problem solving behind the scenes of what can actually be done in the construction process. Yes. Yes. It, it, and so it was very, and you know, remember, like I said, I really wanted to, um, learn more of that behind the scenes, the construction part of it, you know, the management of it. Uh, and that's why I pursued education in, in it. But then when I was able to work on the other side, you know, so like architects, designers are on this side and work on the other side. It was very interesting to me uh, to see where the problem was, you know, mm -hmm. see how, how important it is to have a very precise project how important it is to have it all selected beforehand because it expedites the the timeline of the project. It's not like we're trying to get information from here to there and make decisions on the go. And sometimes, you know, that's nerve wracking and then schedule for the painter will be pushed back because this is not decided yet, you know? So that was very interesting to me. And that was a very good learning experience. I bet. And then, yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm telling you, it was very hard, very difficult because first of all, I had to learn this imperial, is it imperial system? Those inches in yards and feet. <laughs> this is hard, man. I, yeah. I still don't know why you guys don't divide everything by 10. It's so much easier. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can see both sides of that. I mean, I grew up, you know, feet, inches, uh, not too many meters were being calculated, but I do think like when you talk about the issues behind the scenes and seeing what happens um, really on the construction side, I kind of view ourselves as just really big event coordinators. Mm -hmm. you know, there's the, everything has to happen in a certain way and in a certain process, you know, the, the, the flow of construction. 
Um, and it's kind of universal on any new construction project, but it is a lot to manage. So, I mean, props to you yeah. for, for living in that world and being on the other side of it too. I'm sure you have a great, you know, perception of the full yeah. design build process. Yeah, that was super eye-opening, a great experience. And then I moved on and started working with a with an architecture firm in Modesto. It's called mm. TPH Architects. And we did, again, a lot of big, big projects like um, uh, dealership, car dealerships, um, office spaces, schools, a lot of schools, a lot of um, fire stations and things like that. So then, you know, I was always very careful with the projects and careful with the information because I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want it. I don't want this to be, you know, it's public safety needs- now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. General contractor, let's, let's, let's work together. Here's everything spelled out. And, and again, that was very good for me. And I had an incredible boss, this man, like Tim Huff, he, if you ever work with him, tell him Danny said hi. <laughs> he is an amazing man, such a good teacher, such a good mentor. You're the and, second person that's told me that. Really? About yeah. him? Yeah. Oh, because he is. He is fantastic. He 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 had the patience to Okay, so here's this guy who's been working with architecture for 30 years. And he had the patience to tell me that in America, we fold, you know, the 24 by 36. Uh-huh. We fold it different from Brazil. He was like, <laughs> oh, no, Danny, this is how we fold it. I'm like, oh, you're so amazing. <laughs> yeah. So he, he, yeah, last day, you know, when, well, when I told him that I was going to quit, um, and start my own business, I cried in his office so much because I didn't want to stop working with him. Mm. So that's how amazing he is. Uh, yeah, so then eventually, you know, I was working at TPH Architects and I started my own business at the same time while having a baby. So like, wild life. That's a lot, yeah. I don't even like to think about it because I know like two gray hair will grow in my head immediately. <laughs> And yeah, and then I started my business. And in Modesto, I was having a great time. And I, I want to say I was thriving. And I was, you know, just having so much fun designing and bringing a different approach, I want to say, to the city, to the, to the overall aesthetics of projects. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, have, I have a South American background. I went to school there. So my education was a little different. I, because we're from South America, we're from Brazil. It's a country that is not as developed as the USA. So we, we have certain priorities that um, when it comes to designing a space, when it comes to architecture and to design are different. So you, you, when, when a client tells me the scope or tells me what they're looking for, I feel like my perspective is a, is a little, you know, thinking outside the box, you know, yeah. even after so many years living in America. Um, so, yeah, so, 
So then, then I had to move to Los Angeles because my husband was finishing up his education here. And while we were moving, I still had several projects in Modesto, many projects. I was going back and forth and almost every other weekend I was, you know, trying to coordinate every other week, actually coordinate a couple days here, a couple days there and doing that. And then I sat down and was like, okay, we have the internet. Listen up, Danny. <laughs> Let's make this work so you're not traveling. Why should you travel all the way to Modesto? It's a four and a half, five hours drive mm -hmm. to figure out right route lines, the color of the grout, the thickness, or whatever it is. You know exactly how it's going to be looking like. You have the, the vision in your mind. So why not prepare it ahead and just communicate to your clients and to whoever is building it? So I started to do that and that, that was 2018 mm. and I started to, you know, understand that I could, I could expedite that. I could prepare my projects that even if they are for interior design and take it soft finishes or hard finishes. So, you know, furniture or tile, mm. I knew what I was doing. I knew what I, I wanted it to look like and I just figured out a system to make it work. So be even before the pandemic, I was already doing this. And I was trying to deliver a project that was complete to the point where, you know, I was choosing not only the faucets or, you know, the the plumbing fixtures, but I was, I was also recommending the valves that go with it, you know? So, uh, so that I could deliver the project to the builder and well, first of all, to my client and to the builder as complete as, as possible. So when it was time to start construction, they would just have the manual in front of them. So that, that wouldn't be the need of, oh, what color would be the grout or, you know, this should, should, it, should I put this to the left or to the right? or how high, you know? So I, I started to make my projects even more um, precise and technical, not only true design, but more architectural <laughs> than anything. And, and we're way ahead of the curve too, because, you know, 2020 shows up and mm -hmm. remote design is now kind of a extension of everyone's design firm, I feel like. Yeah. So how do you feel from 2018 to now, what has grown in that remote process? And, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the VIP group that you created and yeah. you know, all the different amenities that you offer your clients. Yeah. So what changed from there to now in my firm, you mean? Yeah. In your firm. Um, I feel like my projects got even more detailed. Um, now, you know, you, you learn from experience. You know, after so many projects, I, I was counting the projects and I have over 60 projects in the last four years. So every project, I'm a little more, um, I, I pay a bit more attention to the, to, the, to the detail because this is how it should be. Mm. Um, because I want my clients to get a very complete package that they can just go on on themselves and there is no babysitting needed. You know, that that's what I always tell my client. This is a project that you're going to give to your builder and you won't be needing to babysit. And 
just trust that everything is here. Of course, question com questions come up. This is construction. It's not science. Um, you know, <laughs> um, it's science at some point, but it's not precise. Uh, but but you know, I want it to be as clear as possible. And it's been great. I've been designing so many fun projects and it opened up the doors to me so much where now I have projects in the on the East Coast. I have projects here in California. I have projects in Texas. I have projects all over and all because that. And it, the fun thing about it is that you're not tied to a look specific to the area that you live in. You get to get a good quality design from Los Angeles. And I know I don't show it on my social media all the time, but I'm always scavenger, uh, scavenging. I'm always looking for new. I'm always visiting showrooms. I'm always with wraps. I'm always looking for what's out there and what's new and innovative. Um, so you get to get that quality uh, no matter where you at, you know, and it's been amazing. Uh, so speaking a little bit about your design collab, which is my baby, um, I'm super excited about it. It's a, it's a community that we launched uh, last year and it kind of came from my own experience as a designer who can't afford an interior designer. <laughs> I always, I always tell my colleagues, you know, I'm like, dude, if could, could you pay this fee if this was for you? I know I couldn't. <laughs> you know, I have two little ones. I have so many things that I need to take care of and financially, things that you know, you know how it is, life. Yeah, it's life. Yeah. So, so then I'm like, oh my gosh, I could, I could, I don't think I could afford myself at the point at the moment, but what if like but i know what to do but i know that there are other people out there that are in the same situation they can't afford to pay for interior designer but they have questions here and there they that would be fun to know the answers so they can live in a better space so they can dwell in a better environment and that's why i created your design collab so pretty much it's like a it, it, it's a community on Facebook where you pay $27 a month. Mm. Highlight that $27 a month. It's nothing you guys like for the amount of stuff that you get. <laughs> and whenever you have an interior design related question, you just go over there, take a picture. Let's say bah, this shelf right here. Danny, I don't know what to put in it. How should I style it? Is what is wrong here? Or, oh my gosh, I'm remodeling my bathroom. I have everything figured out, but I don't know the tile to use. Or, I don't know, I need a new bed. Um, do you have recommendations? And what size rug should I use? Or I had one, uh, one of our members, she bought like a total builder's grade home and she wanted to change it all up. I'm like, change the plumbing, you know, the, the fixtures, the hardware, and put a wallpaper. It's going to be another thing. Done deal. It's amazing. Or paint color suggestions. Whatever you need, I'm there for you. You post it on the group. I'll answer your questions. And also, every single month, we do a super cool um, 
pool where I we we choose together a room that I'll be designing. So we've done entryway, uh, we've done um, guest bathroom revamp, we've done new kitchenware, the, the things that you know you want to get, but you're like, oh, I don't know if this goes with that. So I put together a design board, and then you can shop from design from the design board. And also, if you're a member, this is also super cool. You get 30% off every single one of my services. So if you are ready to redesign your entire entire house, um, you hire me, of course, and then you get 30% off my services and all my fees, which is- I crazy. love that. That's so creative. And because that's the toughest part is usually someone remodels a kitchen, remodels a bathroom, remodels a full home that they move into. And that's the last remodel they do, right? Mm -hmm. For a significant amount of time. Um, so the way you can kind of almost have a subscription-based model to build a community, um, still bring value to the people you want to serve, but also, one, make money at it, too, you know? Uh, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. That's really smart. I like that. Thanks. Yeah, and I thought about the person that, because, you see, some people, they they know what to do. They have that good eye. They know, oh, this walnut cabinetry will look really good with this quartzite stone here on the counter. But I don't know about the backsplash. So I can help them with that, you know? So I'm like, okay, so you want to do the walnut with the quartzite. What about this backsplash here? What, you know, or don't do a backsplash. Or maybe not the quartzite, you know? <laughs> that person. Yeah. Like, you, you ask my opinion, you're going to get my opinion. It's... Like my, my husband says, I have no filter. Uh, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's great. It's been great. It's been fun. I think my members are enjoying it. And um, just so I tell everyone, I don't open the doors. All the doors are not open right now. Doors don't open all the time. They open only four times a year because I want to keep this as VIP as possible. It really is a VIP experience um and i'm gonna be opening doors again now in may so about middle of may um go back and are you sure you out. didn't get a bachelor's in marketing or business administration or anything like that because you're saying some things here and I'm, I'm running through i'm like this is like she's lining up a lot of different things here scarcity exclusiveness um, very high value proposition, having a designer at beck and call and a Facebook group that's private. Like you have a really, uh, intriguing little setup here. Thank you. Well, um, I'm always, you know, looking at uh, like some Berkeley, UC Berkeley extensions and also UCLA <laughs> extensions in marketing. Cause I think yeah. marketing is fascinating. It's amazing. And I also get a little help from my friends. <laughs> so, okay. um, yeah, so I am also part of a really cool membership that uh, doesn't give away, you know, it, it's like a mentoring uh, called Your Social Team. And Manu, who is the owner of Your Social Team, she actually helped me, you know, understand that that membership thing you know it was a conversation that we had back and forth and just talking about it and she was my client she's in atlanta georgia i designed um her 
a part of her house and also her office. And, you know, we became friends and she helped me explore all of this. Um, but I also find marketing fascinating. And if it wasn't for marketing and understanding how to present myself, I don't, I would never be here. I would never be talking to you. I would never be, you know, the owner of Danny Boy Design. It, it just is, it's, it's a tool that we all should take advantage of. And we're here, you know, I'm here to serve my clients. I'm here to bring good design. And like you said, I'm down to earth. I know how things cost. I don't live in in the fantasy world. I, I know, you know, I know how hard it is to make a living. And oh my gosh, I'm in Los Angeles. This place is expensive. Um, but because of that, I know that I have to sell. I know that I have to propose things and I know what I'm selling. I'm selling quality. I'm selling luxury in an accessible way. So this yeah. The best way to make a sale is to solve a problem, right? And exactly. you solve yeah. a lot of problems. And I wanted to bring up something you brought up about your past with that mm -hmm. customer experience that you did, um, the, the, the survey or the market study, whatever it was down mm -hmm. towards Argentina. Tell me a little yeah. bit about that. So, and how has that played into your influence and how you treat your customers today? Yeah, so that helped me absolutely. Oh my gosh, this is a great question that you have for me because... Um, it's something that I'm working on at the moment. So I had the best opportunity to start understanding marketing then. It wasn't marketing for sale. It was marketing for understanding the client satisfaction. So understand why do they like the kitchen? Why do they don't like the kitchen? Why is this window too big? Why shouldn't we have a window here? So it was on that matter. So the whole, um, the it was a survey. So it was a research with low-income families from Brazil that received homes uh, made by the government instead of the homes that they had previously, which, you know, it, was, it wasn't in a good shape. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to understand uh, how much they liked it or not. Uh, and all of that made me understand so much about the client, the customer, the person who is buying for me and the person who I am designing too, because sometimes, you know, we don't take those things into consideration. Let's say in the kitchen, sometimes we design this beautiful spotless place but we forget that this is the kitchen where spaghetti is going to be made and stain would be on the counter. Or this is the living room where dogs are going to be climbing on the couch. So let's maybe put a ladder here because that's going to give longevity to the most expensive piece of your living room, your couch. So that made me understand all of that. And the reason why I like this question so much is because I am doing an extension curse I'm going to start this week. I'm late. Oh my gosh. Like I was supposed to start beginning of March, but it didn't happen. Uh, it's in, um, it's called, it, it's in architecture and psychology. So um, like really dwell, dwell, how to say it, Ryan, dwell. Yeah. Really go deep into how you can apply 
psychology into architecture, into interior design. So I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm sure I'm going to be sharing on my social media what I've been learning because I think it's incredible knowledge. I'm doing it with a, um, with a university in Brazil and I'm doing the course with the universe, this university in Brazil. And it's been great to have that platform to um, go forward with my education and understand something that I, I've been, you know, trying to understand on my own for a long, long time. I'm looking forward to that. Yep. That's huge. That sounds exciting. And yeah, yeah, I'd be interested to see, you know, what you learn from that. I, I'm a big thing about, um, at least in marketing to our, our like ideal customers, the psychographics, like the reasons behind the why that people mm-hmm. have. Um, and identifying those and getting in front of that person that aligns with the right psychographics that our brand um, has a value proposition for, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so it's so much like marketing and psychology are really like the best marketers that I've read about or know really understand the human condition, right? They understand human behavior, you know, the, yeah. the intent behind what those people are doing and why they're doing it that might not even be aware of the person doing it. So mm-hmm. yeah, the more you can learn about that, that's huge. I read, I have a couple books. There's a good book I think you would like uh, called Unthinkable. It's like getting into the minds of um, a bunch of different people throughout the world and their different cultural differences. And it was a pretty good book. Um, that's not related to design or construction at all, but. No, yeah. But, you know, I'm writing down Unthinkable. <laughs> unthinkable actually i have it right here it's oh i want to see this one right here yeah it's by helen thomas and an extraordinary journey through the world's strangest brains so like oh i like it it's really interesting um okay yeah it it's i think it's important you know because it gives you gives you perspective not only in the workspace but in general lives, in your general life, because, you know, you, you understand that we're all different. We all think differently. We all live differently. And that's okay. That's beautiful. Actually, if we were all the same, it would, this world would be lame and boring. And I know. I'm right? not Here's, here for that. So another one, this one's really okay. good. Um, never split the difference. Okay. It's, by, it's a, it's about an FBI hostage negotiator, uh, negotiator. Um, it's like in high tense situations and like the psychology behind really negotiation and influence. Uh Um, that was a really good one too. And that was, I bought this mostly for, um, like the sales side because it does have a lot of like overlapping concepts of like when you're essentially sales is negotiation, right? Yeah. Um, And it's really getting to people how they perceive value and speaking to them how they need to be spoken to, Right. Um, yeah. And, so. and I think that it's very important to do that, not losing who you are. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like you're going to change who you are to speak to person A and then go ahead and change who you are mm-hmm. to speak to person B. And this is something that I actually always say on my projects, you know, like I can adapt to uh, to, to this type of, of, of aesthetics that you are looking for, but there will always have my handwriting in it mm-hmm. and I can't change that, you know? Yeah. So yeah. this is, this is very important to understand other people, but understand also who you are as a, 
as a professional, as a designer, as a person, as a human being, you know, and not change Just in your communication. Yeah. I always, I'm a big, big thing about, it's not what you're saying that should be consistent. Like who you are should be consistent. Um, and everything you do, whether that's professional life, spiritual life, personal life, family, whatever it may be. Um, but a lot of times it's how you say it to who you're speaking to, you yes. know, like, um, so it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And that's kind of the big thing that I, I tell my kids and, and employees. Yeah. And oh my gosh, Ryan, let me tell you, I'm still working on that. I'm still like kid level when it comes to that. Cause <laughs> I guess I, I, I don't, I, and I feel also that there is a little bit of a cultural and language barrier when it comes mm. to that, because I know the words that I know, and I'm always looking for new words and I'm always trying to educate myself, but in the time of conflict, I'm going to say what I need to say. And sometimes it sounds so rude. <laughs> and then I need to be like, listen, listen, listen. Um, it's not like that. It's just that I can't say it differently. <laughs> just as bluntly as I can put it. Here, here it is. Yes, but, you know, it's not like I wanted to say like that. It's just that this is what I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll write it down and edit and send it. You should to just you. you know speak Portuguese into Google Translate, you know, and then let that be yeah. the hard talk for you. Yeah, yeah, but then it it will be different. It would be as hard as as it is because you know it's the way I, I always tell everyone that. Okay, like talking about being yourself, I feel like I am Danny in Portuguese and Danny in English. It's not the same. It, there, there is, you know, when it comes to communication, okay, when it comes to like inside myself, I'm the same person, <laughs> but you know, like the way I communicate is different when I communicate in English and then versus when I communicate in Portuguese, but it's okay. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I love the, it makes it more authentic. And I was thinking while you were talking earlier about the influences you've had just growing up in South America and the different concepts and honestly, the different space planning that's needed just to live in that different type of culture and then bringing oh, yeah. that to, to America. I'm sure the insights that you have on your projects, I'm sure when you first came on the scene, people were like, I would have never thought of that. Right. And, and yeah, how would they? Cause yeah. they never lived through what, you know, the upbringing that you went through in, in Brazil and all the yeah. influence that you got from that. So I think it's really cool that, I mean, you really are genuinely authentic you know, in your culture and in your design. And every time I've spoken to you, it's always been, you know, really pleasurable. Ah, that's so nice of you to say that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Of course. So yeah. with design, with customer experience, and last question here, mm -hmm. what do you think as a whole the industry is missing as far as customer experience goes? What's one thing that if you were starting over, it'd be the first thing you would implement into your process to take care of a customer? Oh, it's what I'm working on right now with this, um, okay. uh, with this, uh, you, this extension course that I'm going to start. I really, really, really want to come up with a tool of questions and people don't copy me. Okay. This is something that I want to do and be very original about. We'll just we like, we'll blur it out. Yeah. <laughs> you can talk about it, you know, email me. I'm all about collaborating and doing stuff like that. But what I really want to do is come up with a group of questions, um, a, a guideline that is very precise 
of each one of my projects. So right now I already do it. I have some things that I always ask each one of my clients that guide me, but I want to do it in depth. I want to do it more um, specific. I want to have specific questions for specific types of projects. So let's say it's a commercial project. I want to know the hours of operation. I want to know, um, you know, how much it's going to be serving, how much the menu is going to cost plus or minus. I want to know all of that, you know, the things that are not exactly re related to construction, mm -hmm. but will help me give a guide, like will help, will help me give me a north to my project. So that's, that's something that I am like, I really am excited to work on right now. And I think this is going to help me a lot. And also, I I want to expand. I want to start hiring. So I think that if I have a tool like that, it would be easier for me to actually proceed with the project in a, ver in a more um, efficient way. Mm -hmm. So all I'm, I'm looking for is efficiency in system making, like creating a system. So when I start hiring, people know exactly what to do and exactly where to get the question, the, the answers from the questions they are looking for. So I want to have the questions figured out before they come up and mm -hmm. have my client answer those. So don't copy me, people. This is something that I'm still working on. It's still like in my brain. <laughs> it's the, the, it, yeah. Yeah. I think that's I a great you. idea. Yeah, it's very smart. Um, we did something similar. So like we have an intake form, you know, that kind of gets all down to the mm -hmm. nitty gritty of really the context of the project. Really, the, for us, it's the why, you know, like we did oh, okay. a, a kitchen remodel. And her biggest issue was that she didn't have a trash can in her kitchen that was like integrated into the cabinetry. Um, a simple Reva shelf attachment into a modification of a door could have been done, mm -hmm. right? But it turned into, mm -hmm. you know, this $160,000 you know, <laughs> custom kitchen and all because oh, of the course. trash pull out. And in oh, my mind, I'm, I'm like, how, one, that's great, right? I love those projects. They really, really want this. It's not a need type thing. But yeah, yeah. understanding the customer in, the, in this, really the conditions around the project. Especially in commercial, yeah. it does make sense because you don't want to design, you know, uh, a Nobu steakhouse for someone that's going to be serving cheeseburgers, you know, exactly. it, it wouldn't match up. Yeah, exactly. And it, and, and, and it comes to that, really, right? And it's, we're offering, well, you guys have the project, but it's the service. I think it's the service that matters more, you know? How am I serving my client? How am I mm -hmm. delivering what they're looking for? Exactly what they're looking for. Not what I think would be what they're looking for, but exactly what they're looking for. Because I still can't read people's minds. I wish I could, but it's good to have that, you know, I just want to have that guideline to understand my client better, to serve my client better. Something similar like as the guideline that you have, and I would love to see it. <laughs> I can send it to you. Yeah. I'll send it over. You can look at it. Cool. It's like 15 right. questions. 
that we ask. Yeah, yeah, it's something like that that I want to come up with. And and then going more into the psychological, you know, of course we have to know the budget. It's the real life, real world we live in. We have mm -hmm. to know the size of the project. We have to know several things. But it's the feeling, you know, what, the driving what, force behind it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the psychological part of it what will bring you the extreme satisfaction which i mean will not be obtained i think <laughs> it'll never be possible well, and, and that's the other thing too like with people i think on our last podcast we talked with the contractor and we talked about how people view our industry as kind of a commodity right like mm -hmm. design you're going to get the same thing every single time no matter who you go through which could couldn't be farther from the truth same thing with construction it's a general contractor. They're going to put this together. They're in like, it's going to be the same no matter who I go with. Um, so it's kind of what you're talking about is making yourself proprietary um, through extreme value. Because if you have the driving force behind someone's buying decision and you can use that in your language, in your design influence, um, mm -hmm. in how you take care of that customer and communicate with them, everything, um, you're going to be heads and shoulders apart from someone who is just, you know, checking boxes and throwing out a yeah. rendering. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, because there's that too, you know, you, you, the hand, the rendering could be beautiful. You know, the, the, propo the proposal could be fantastic, but if it doesn't, if it, if it doesn't suit you, if it's not what you're looking for, if it does, if it's not what your family needs, what your customer needs, it's not a good design. Sorry. Mm -hmm. It's just not. It's true. Yeah. And also, Wait, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that could be a snowball. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we can cut it up right there. Um, I really appreciate your time, Danny. Thanks for taking this hour talking with me. And um, I'm excited to just keep in touch in the future. And I wish you all the best in your, in your further education and in your business. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to spend this hour with you. And for sure, let's be in touch. Very okay, soon. let's do it. All okay. Right. See ya. All right. Bye.